0: In the last two years, Chinese American donors gave a total of $1 billion to philanthropic costs in the US. That's just Chinese Americans because they feel like Democrats aren't speaking. They feel like politicians in general, right, aren't speaking to our community's
1: needs. Welcome to the Ronin Project Podcast, a show about Asian Americans in politics rocking the boat, breaking the rules, and taking on the big fights. I'm your host, Bill Wong. Buckle up, it's time for Ronin's to roll program. Hello, Ronin Nation. Welcome back to the Ronin Project Podcast. We're talking money today. Our guest is Jack Yao, founder and principal consultant of SC Strategies. Jack is a democratic strategist, fundraiser, and trainer. In his career, Jack has led teams that have raised over 40 million in total, As the principal consultant and founder of SE Strategies, he has helped elect Democrats up and down the ballot all across California, as well as in seven other states. Jack has been recognized by the National Association of Asian Pacifics in Politics and Public Affairs on their 2022 40 Under 40 list as well. Jack has also developed and led both staff and candidate trainings for organizations such as the National Democratic Training Committee, California Young Democrats, Kentucky Democratic Party, and various county parties. When he's not helping progressives win, Jack can be found in the kitchen, hanging out with his dog, Stelly, or watching his beloved warriors. Jack is a proud first generation Taiwanese American. Welcome to the show, Jack, it's great to have you.
0: Yeah, it's great to be here, Bill. Really appreciate that kind intro.
1: Well deserved. You're an Asian American in the political space, and there aren't many of us, obviously, but our numbers are growing. Can you tell the Rona Nation about your journey into politics and why you do what you do?
0: Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. I'm just starting my journey here in politics, especially as a consultant. It's really great to be here on the same podcast as a lot of the Trailblazers who made my work possible and like. Attorney General Bonta said the other day, "Work you did, Ron did, Congresswoman Chu did, all led the way to him being able to be in that high elected office, and led way for folks like me to be consultants, to be even in this political world. Really appreciate everything you've done, Bill. And then this podcast also is just amazing to have the space to talk about AAPIs and politics to come from the lens of an Asian person. It's, just, it's really rare to have the opportunity. My journey is a little bit different from a lot of the folks that you've had on before me. I'm a first generation Taiwanese-American, I immigrated here with my parents when I was about seven years old. My parents are apolitical type of folks we've all heard at the doors or at county fairs or baseball games. We're trying to table there, right? Oh, we just don't care about politics. We don't vote. Nothing matters. These these big corporate people, government people, they don't care about us. They're that type of people. And I grew up kind of apolitical too, but I saw a lot of the things that are happening with our world that need to change it. So after college, I actually started working with nonprofits through fundraising for nonprofit organizations and colleges and universities. In 2015, as Trump descended down that golden elevator, I saw a lot of the racist rhetoric that started coming out of politics, especially the extreme right wing, those folks in the GOP who've gone that route. So that really disturbed me. I felt the need to get involved in politics. So I quit my job and destroyed the campaign. First campaign I joined, I was lucky enough to work with another young API political cat now and to see that wow, there's other Asian people working on campaigns. That was really big for me. In the higher ed nonprofit world, there's very few API folks. So coming into politics, I had also known very few AAPI friends who in politics, or I knew none, actually. Coming on my first campaign and being the finance director and having my field director be another AAPI operative, that was super big for me. I did that, managed a few races, did the thing young staffers should always do, go out your comfort zone a little bit, move around the country, go to these random states, work on presidentials, congressionals, so I did that, live in random people's houses, um, supporter housing. So I did that for a few cycles, manage a couple races, and then, you know, ended up working with you, Bill, on some assembly stuff in 20, at the end of 2018. And then I started my firm, where I've been working with lots of folks here in California and around the country since then. So very lucky to have worked with a lot of awesome people who are about our community and a lot of people who are in our community as well, a lot of AAPI candidates. So it's been a real blessing to have been able to meet so many awesome people like yourself in such a short time.
1: It's great to have you. The benefit of having younger people involved is is bringing a fresher perspective on the game of politics. I think in my generation and possibly the generations before me, we didn't have a lot of opportunities and we didn't really have an identity and we didn't really gel. And now that there's more of us, there's a better opportunity for us to help the next generation be a lot more aggressive, be a lot more sure-footed, about getting into politics and staying in politics, because in the past it was almost like a fleeting career that you just do between graduating from college and then going off to law school or medical school or any of the other types of careers that our parents really wanted us to pursue. But now there's actually great careers in politics and there's a lot of impact that's out there. Fundraising is tough and highly competitive. How do you approach this work and what have been your challenges and triumphs as a fundraiser?
0: I really, really believe we're at a crossroads here with our fundraising bill. And I'm very interested that you're asked that question. and interested to see what your thoughts are too. Right now, I think we are looking at a tragedy of the commons here with our fundraising. The Republicans saw it last quarter with the NRSC's fundraising numbers. And we're going to see it too on the Democratic side, this burning and churning of our donors. And we all know as fundraisers, Bill, and I know we had a conversation about one of my other candidates, you rattled off a few of these API donors. We all know them. They're a very close-knit group of people are dem donors, especially our large dem donors, and they're getting hit up 10 times a day. I have a candidate who ran for Congress, self-funded, now he's writing you know large checks to a bunch of candidates. He's getting tired of doing that because he gets 10 text messages a day from people. And I honestly think a lot of it come down to bad actors in our industry who like to use emails to spam often older folks and scam them. So I think that we're just really at a crossroads here. I mean, if you look at the fundraising numbers, Bill, and if you look at the IE spending this cycle, IE spending had had gone up because, and I've seen this in my races with my candidates, blue seats or purple seats, great candidates, elected officials should be raising a million bucks, right? They're not. (laughs) Raising like a couple hundred thousand. So the IEs need to come in for them. So this is just totally unsustainable. My firm is SC Strategies. The SC stands for Sustainable Change. This is the whole reason why I started this firm. I saw beginning in the 2018 cycle, that fundraising was just becoming unsustainable. This emailing people every other day, texting people, and then calling the same 2,000 donors. We get regularly to congressional races. The same 500-something candidates calling these two, same 2,000 people over and over again. It's not sustainable. And the emails aren't sustainable. So we're really at a crossroads here where we're going to have to come up with new ways of fundraising that brings people into the campaign is truthful and is more you know, just grassroots. And that's why I always appreciated you helping out with you know, my candidates and other API candidates fundraising bill, because you're telling these candidates story from your heart and bringing people into the fold so that these people are going to be great donors rather than just receiving a random text from a random candidate from across the country that you've never heard of. And then it won't stop until you give them money. But if you do get it'll get more aggressive. So I really think we're at a crossroads here. So one, I think it's developing that personal connection with donors, going back to that donor, more of a focus on donor relationship building. And two, campaigns are just going to have to learn to do more with less. This cycle, we're just going to see fundraising numbers down. It's all about cash on hand, not total raise. And just the return on investment for digital is getting really bad. We need to go back to ways of thinking more about building that relationship with the donor, especially our larger donors. And then campaigns are just going to have to get used to doing more with less. But yeah, I don't know if you've seen any of this build the cycle.
1: It's horrible in the sense that there's all these scam packs out there. There's this flood of emails. I only donate when I get the solicitation from somebody I know. And that's a personal ask. No, that's a lie. Sometimes I rage donate, but it's small dollar when I rage donate. But typically, if it's a big ask, I'm only going to do it if it's somebody that i know who's asking or i know the candidate closely as opposed to these random calls i mean it's flattering to get a call from senator warnock or any any of the the big name ones out there but i also know that it's not a real conversation and it's not a real relationship and i don't need a conversation if i'm just doing it to piss off the republicans i also know that once i donate i'm going to be stuck on the d trip list or somebody else's list and then not be able to get off that treadmill of fundraising emails. I also think that one of the points that you bring up with regard to how to raise more, I think that there's a lot of consulting that's a waste of money that's out there. I think that they're telling candidates to raise more and more money. I don't necessarily feel that it's truthful how much they're asking to raise and we're funding more of the business of politics than actually winning campaigns. So there has to be a lot more support for the donors as well as support for the candidates because the candidates have no idea what's going on. They're just listening to the consultants. It's not really the consultant's fault because they gotta pay their mortgages and they gotta pay for their overhead and their staff and things like that too. But I do believe that there's a lot out there that is wasteful spending and spending just to feed the business of politics, not necessarily just to win campaigns. So I think that there definitely is some work to be done. I do think that there's a huge untapped base of small dollar donors out there that have yet to be brought into the fold, but I also think that there's a lot of small dollar donors that are being scammed by these outrageous emails that are being sent to them and text messages that are being sent to them. So there's a lot of work to be done. Let's go back and talk about, asian donors what do you think we need to do about asian donors because i've got kind of a love hate relationship with asian donors
0: it's a great question it's a complicated topic because same thing as the small dollar donors you mentioned that need to be brought the full just like your conversation a couple of weeks ago about bringing aapi voters into full. aapi donors don't typically give to non-aapi candidates Democratic leadership asking, well, why aren't they an absolute solid loyal block to us, like they should be? Well, you don't do your outreach to them. You do your generic outreach, generic mail, media. That's done by old white male consultants, for the most part, that doesn't speak to our community. Largely, that's why API voters aren't getting in the fold. That's why API donors aren't getting into the fold. In the last two years, Chinese American donors gave a total of $1 billion to philanthropic costs in the US. That's just Chinese Americans, because they feel like Democrats aren't speaking. They feel like politicians in general aren't speaking to our community's needs, whether that's all this hate, whether that's helping immigrant business owners. I just think a lot more work needs to be done to bring these folks into the fold where they can be solid democratic donors, not just donors to folks of their same ethnicity. Also, the other thing to point out, I fundraise for a Japanese-American candidate, a Vietnamese-American candidate, a Cantonese-American candidate, a Taiwanese-American candidate, a Hmong-American candidate, Hmong and Laotian-American candidate, a Chamorro American candidates, as well as Iranian Americans, Indian American, colorism, and just otherization in our community is a huge thing. It's great to have this space to talk about stuff like this, Bill, but folks with, who are darker shades of yellow than us, they have it harder, fundraising in these communities. These groups who say they support AAPI candidates will endorse, you know, my Hmong candidate, my Chamorro candidate, my Vietnamese candidates. But are not gonna support them as hard as they do the Eastern Asian candidates. And that's a big thing. We're both supporting this Vietnamese American candidate who has an extremely hard time with the Asian community because she's only happy. She doesn't really look Asian. And my other candidate who looks Asian doesn't have an Asian last name.
1: Kim Bernice Wynn is awesome. She's fearless. She's a tough cookie and I love her so much because she's just a go-getter But yeah, she's having a hard time. And I think that it's also not just a shade thing. I think it's a gender thing. I think that there's an age thing. There's all these challenges and it's holding us back.
0: Oh, absolutely. Don't get me started on the gender thing, Bill. I mean, I can see it so clearly how much harder it is for Asian women to succeed. There's always a stereotype Asian men can't lead. We supported John Chung so hard just to try to break the stereotype. But we're always going to be the treasurer, the controller. We're never going to be the governor. We can never hold the executive office. It's that stereotype for men. But for the woman, it's the wait your turn type thing. And it's not just with Kim. I mean, is with our other friend jill takuda who's in leadership in the state that has been in leadership for over a decade doubting her her playing out poll after poll showing her up five to one less than 30 percent undecided and then the ie's going let's put another million in crypto going let's put another million in because an asian woman can't possibly win so it's that doubt that asian women get the amount of racism that asian women face on the campaign trail is really disturbing really hats off to all these strong awesome women running we got kim running jill like i mentioned but also Sonia Chang-Diaz ran a really applicable campaign for governor, we got Michelle Wu now, awesome, and you had just a couple of them on your show. State Senator Stephanie Chang from Michigan, and then the State Senator from Ohio, Mahara. And that's a whole different story, Bill, and I'm so glad you're letting those folks tell their stories. As in fundraising, as an Asian, not in California... (laughs)
1: Yeah, you know, it's really tough because everybody's focused on Congressionals and like US Senate and all the fancy stuff. But these state races that are laying the pipeline for us and where a lot of the rubber is hitting the road with regard to policy You know, one of the things we talked about early on in the podcast was how important the state races are going to be with regard to the protection of Roe on the state side.
0: Absolutely. And the problem with a lot of these other states is running as a progressive AAPI candidate. There's not that foundation laid out, right? There's not that infrastructure. We have groups out here, and these groups need to be more organized, and we need to put more money into these groups so they can be more organized, and they can do more contributions and IEs and stuff like that. But at least we have that infrastructure out here. We know who the large democratic Asian donors are out there, right? That doesn't exist. When I was fundraising in Florida, I literally didn't see another Asian person <laughs> like for a month right in central Florida. And another great candidate down there, Anna Eskamani, running as an Iranian American in rural central Florida. That's really an accomplishment and to be able to raise substantial amounts of money. It is really, really hard running as an AAPI candidate in some of these more uh, conservative states. With less API representation.
1: What kind of advice can you give to Asian American candidates regarding fundraising and winning races? I think a lot of them jump in and then they think that everybody will read my resume and think I'm a great person and then money will fall from the skies. What's your advice to them?
0: Well, one, like we all know, fundraising isn't that difficult of work, but it's hard work, backbreaking work, it's tiring work. So it's all about just putting in the work, being willing to put in the work. And make the phone calls and build those relationships with the donors. Particularly for Asian donors, the stereotype, I guess you could call it, of Asian women not being able to win. Thus, oh, I'm not going to support. That's something Asian candidates in general have to overcome. I know this time, Jay Chen, when he first announced, there was a lot of skepticism about whether he could win in that district. Running against an Asian Republican. Just that doubt that you're going to have as an Asian candidate, you just have to get over that initial hump and really work at it. And then the other thing I would suggest is there's folks in our communities, like I said, the Chinese American community gave $2 bucks in the last two years to philanthropic causes, non political philanthropic. Those causes.
1: are tax deductible donations, right? True.
0: True. I mean, work in the fundraising world, yes. It's great that's tax deductible, but people are giving because of the mission. And if we make the mission of the Democrats, the mission of these candidates, what you're doing, what you're out there representing, if you really make that about our community, make these donors feel like you care about them, then I think we can really bring them into the fold. But it's really trying to raise from your community. And I would really start early and really start building those ties. This is my first time working with the Japanese-American candidate. Having her just call all these Japanese American leaders in Southern California, even though she's across the ocean in Hawaii, people are receptive to it and people are excited because people want to see other AAPI folks succeed. So it's just finding those in your community who are supportive of causes and giving them a call.
1: I think it's a little bit different for the Japanese American community in some sense, because one, they were a little bit more politically organized, even though the population is declining, but they did see the... Consequence and impact of politics. One, the consequence being the internment, and then the impact being the redress that was passed by Congress and signed into law by President Reagan, and having very high profile members of Congress like Senator Inouye, Sparks Masanaga, Bob Matsui, Normanetta. They're much more attuned to the connection between civil rights, justice and political participation. And I think that there's a lot of that legacy that continues to carry on. Although I feel that with regard to younger generations of Japanese Americans, that may be falling to the wayside because a lot of the donors are kind of the more older JAs that are out there that understand how big a fight that was to get redress and to get apologies for the internment and to seek justice for what happened during World War II. Absolutely, and
0: getting young AAPI folks to even vote, that's one thing, to get younger folks to donate to democratic causes. We can talk about that in a whole nother nother conversation.
1: They waste Um, their money on such stupid shit anyway, really. (laughs) <laughs> I mean the Asian American consumer market is at 1.2 trillion dollars. The average net worth of Asian Americans is $1 million and the median household income is almost $80,000 higher than white Americans. I mean what do you think it's going to take to convert all this economic power into political power?
0: It's getting folks like my parents to start giving a crap about politics, it's getting folks who write million dollar checks to get involved in politics and they are sometimes when it's judy true calling them when it's someone who can speak mandarin call them they're not going to give to democratic causes besides that right because they don't feel like they're being heard it's really making sure folks are heard making sure we tailor the message to stories that api voters api donor can relate with bill as you talked about with your other guests this comes up so often viewing apis as a model where I'll just these boba drinking asian who look like you and i when we just talked about there's so many other type of Asians. Having a more tailored message and really just trying, making that effort to bring people into fold. I don't know if that's gonna make the difference, but I think it'll help.
1: One of the frustrations I have is, yeah, I don't think that there's a great case for Asian Americans to donate into these Democratic Party organizations without that type of connection. But I do think we should have more political action committees that are run by Asian Americans that have the interest of Asian Americans at heart that can help guide the donations and spend it in ways that are representative of our community. For example, what you described with regard to Jill Takuda, she got hit by an almost $2 million independent expenditure by a dark money pack that's out there. These are entities that can spend unlimited amounts of money and collect unlimited amounts of money so long as they not coordinate their spending with the candidates that they are supporting. And I think that if we had something like that for Jill to be able to respond, I mean, luckily, she had enough of a lead to be able to sustain the victory outside of that expenditure by the dark money group. But it would have been great to have a Japanese American or an Asian American political action committee that could actually spend a million dollars to counteract the million dollars that were spent against her. It was very similarly yuli new faced a multi-million dollar independent expenditure against her in the new york congressional election that just recently happened and as a result of it she barely lost that seat and that is a seat that represented both of new york's chinatowns and should have been represented by a chinese american but because of the outrageous spending by independent dark money groups she lost and we have really no tool no infrastructure to be able to counteract that when that happens.
0: Oh, I agree, Bill. And that's why it's so important for packs like the Ronin Project to exist. But also there's other Asian American PACs out there, but we need to fund those packs. We need to get folks to care about our democratic AAPI candidates. And this goes back to bringing more folks into the fold, making them care about politics. I think that's really a really huge problem we have with our AAPI community.
1: You're 30. You just started a firm. You're doing well because there's a lot of races out there. But what are the challenges that are on the horizon? And what do you think you would love to see in this space as a young consultant trying to get into the game?
0: Well, definitely the mentorship, Bill. The mentorship you and other folks who've been in the game have provided me is huge. And I made it a huge point to also try to provide that mentorship to the next generation, to the folks who are just starting out now. But the challenges going forward in fundraising as a consultant is this tragedy of the commons I talked about with the rate of return on fundraising just getting lower and lower and lower because we're hitting people so aggressively. Politics, in my opinion, is the profession where you can make the most meaningful change in the least amount of time. But at the same time, the shitty industry, people get burned out. I had a awesome API political on my team, Richard On. Shout out to Richard, who, like many young API politicals, but especially folks in underrepresented communities from poor backgrounds. It's unsustainable for them. So Richard went to law school, like many folks do. I mean, that's a big problem with all young folks in this industry. And I've seen so many folks just give up on this job. People come to you all the time, like Jill did, who knows Asian fundraising. And you told me, crap, I can only think of Jack. I told you, Bill, I didn't know any Asian pollsters, right? And you know the pollsters we always go to. Like, there are these white people in Sacramento. So it's so great to have Roshani on your show. So I learned about her and have Asian stuff I need polled. Like, I will go to her creating that community of Asian consultants and knowing that we're all there. That's super important. The burnout and just people staying in politics, something needs to change. And I really, really think all this unionization, these worker rights stuff going on now in the field of politics is super important. And those conversations need to be had. Really proud of the folks who are leading that. there's something needs to be done about burnout. Because folks come to me all the time, too. Like, hey, I need someone to run Asian outreach. I need someone to do this in this Asian community. I had this candidate who had a kind of language barrier. So it'd be helpful for someone who knew how to speak Mandarin, for example, to be on our team, looking for that person, almost impossible to find. We just need to keep more good folks around. I think that's a big problem as a consultant, I'm trying to hire on my staff, on my campaign staffs, right? Keeping good API operatives
1: around. Look, politics is a team sport and we really not been trained to be team players in a lot of ways. I think that's changing now because seeing all of the younger Asians that are in this space, they definitely see themselves as a community. We just have to continue to work to sustain it so that we can do assists when we can to support each other in this space, make sure that we refer over business, make sure that we share intel and then share training and best practices and help ourselves grow in this arena. I think the biggest part about burnout is when you feel like you're just in the game by yourself and that there's nobody else out there that has your back. And we have to really be intentional about that, particularly, I think, that for my generation and the older generations to understand that we have a responsibility to encourage and nurture the next generation of political operatives that are out there. Because this is all about long game and the longer I'm in the business, the more I see that people are successful because of long term relationships that they've cultivated over time. So it's actually generations and even political families that are out there dominating the space, making money, doing big things and being tapped for presidential races, U.S. Senate races, all the big races that are out there. But it definitely does not happen on its own. I think one of the things that we don't talk about that we should talk about too is a lot of times I run into Asian candidates that don't want to hire Asian consultants because they think Asian consultants are substandard and that they want to have a mainstream consultant because they think that that's going to be more prestigious or more effective or better at the game. And that's just not true, but that's the unfortunate bias that occurs with a lot of these Asian candidates that decide that they want to run for office.
0: Absolutely, Bill. And the other side of that too, is not wanting the campaign to be seen as an Asian campaign. It's an Asian candidate run by Asian people that's going to be viewed negatively for whatever reason. So that's the racism we have to deal with too, within our own communities.
1: So are there any Asian American races that you think are exciting or noteworthy this cycle that the Ronin nation should support?
0: Well, yeah, um, and I'm not going to shrill for too many of my candidates here, but there no, are some examples. Go it, man. Rules. Just do it. no, Just no. Do no. It. Yeah, go for it. Like we mentioned, we have Kim Bernice Nguyen running for Orange County Supervisor. 30-year-old woman, Garden Grove City Councilwoman, absolute badass. Exactly the type of person we need in our next generation to run for office. And this is someone, every single race, she's crushed, outraised, and outperformed, and at the end of the day, got way more votes. The institutional powers still don't believe in her. Jill is someone I'm supporting really hard and working with. Jay Chen and Aksif Mahmud running for Congress in Orange County. And they are on both DTRIP's Red to Blue program two seats are flipped, there is a 99.9% chance that Dems win the house that hold on to the house. Kenneth Mejia running in LA for controller. I have lots of friends working on both sides of that race. So I won't comment on it too much. But as someone who's as young as Kenneth, and as someone who's Asian, that is a tough race. And he's you know, he's getting a lot of flack for doing what he's doing. But I just want to say you know, that's a really inspirational campaign.
1: Very cool. Any last words of encouragement for the Ronin Nation out there?
0: This is so exciting to be with everyone on the forefront of organizing our community, Bill. And thank you so much again for taking part of the lead of doing that. AAPIs in politics need to be organized. I really appreciate the work you're doing. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here.
1: Sounds good. Well, Jack, thanks so much for being guest on the Ronin Project podcast. That's it for today's show. Thanks for listening in this week. We'll see you next time. If you are inspired by the exploits of the amazing Asian American badasses on the Ronin Project podcast and want to find out how you can learn more about politics or help Asian American candidates, click on the link in the show notes to join the Ronin Nation's national progressive movement to inspire, organize, and empower Asian Americans. Until next time, Ronin's Roll Program.